Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Welcome to the Brandon and Evan Show. And I, Brandon, am introducing. (laughs) So we are going to talk about this conversation. We've been talking about this for a long time, actually. And eventually we had to hit record because we've had really a great conversation today that unfortunately you guys missed. But we're going to probably bring some of the elements in. Yes. And the whole idea, really, what we, we came down to is what if you're ready right now? And this kind of came out of a bit of a talk of the whole idea of like, you know, are you ready? And when are you ready? And when are you ever enough? And when are you prepared? And I'll just start by saying that I think this is kind of a fallacy because people basically were were brought up in an edge. This is my opinion, but we're brought up in an education system where we're taught not to make mistakes. And if you make a mistake, you're a failure. You didn't just fail. You're a failure. You're a problem. There's something wrong with you. So never fail. And really, I can, I can say from my personal experience and from any of my mentors that I've talked to is that you fail upward in life. You do not succeed upward. It just looks like success to everyone else. But in fact, you probably fail a lot on your way up and success becomes natural because you were willing and brave enough and courageous enough to make mistakes. And I think that people make mistakes and fail because they simply behave as though they're ready and they go and try it out and they find out if they are in connection to the world and then they adjust and they work it and the world and experience becomes their classroom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, um, you know, these, this, it's all a matter of perception. It's all a matter of how we perceive this thing of failure, this perceived idea of being ready to do something. I mean, that's, I'm really excited about this talk just because, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I've, I've wrestled with and and battled with and, and still to a degree, you know, but eventually you reach a point where you go, well, you know, when, when is it enough? Mm -hmm. When do you say that you are ready? Because nothing's going to give that to you. No, nothing can possibly give that to you from outside of yourself. You have to be the one to believe in yourself and to decide that, okay, you know what? I'm going to go and do this. It's always going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I, I think this just goes, I mean, it goes for everything, you know, um, there's a certain point where, you know, you're not going to get it out of a book and you're not going to get it from a teacher. You're not going to get it from anybody other than simply going out and doing it. And, you know, I use this example sometimes, but these were some profound moments in my life. Simply going up and asking out a girl I liked was a huge thing. Like, you know, if you saw someone that you liked, or if I saw someone I liked, I could sit there and I could literally think of all the right things to say. And am I ready? Do I look good enough? Am I wearing the right thing? Blah, 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 blah. But you know, you never really know. And, and, and you find out when you do it, that none of that stuff matters anyway. You know, um, simply going out and going up and asking someone out or just simply approaching them and talking to them is so much more valuable than anything anyone could ever teach you, any book you could ever read. And it might not work out. But the thing is, is that you go and you do it and you have that experience. You know, and it's funny because when I went to university, 
I, you know, I just decided I would date a lot. I'm exposing myself, but I went through yeah. this whole dating period where I was just like, I'm just going to, I want to date lots of women, not, you know, just date. I just want to go out with different women and experience different people because I basically, just before I'd gone to university, I was actually in college and I transferred to university, but just before that I had a very tumultuous relationship, just something that was really kind of, you know, you're young and naive and whatever. And I realized, wow, this was really not a great relationship. And, and I really thought that this person was a really, you know, uh, I thought this was maybe something. And I, and I kind of realized after it ended that I was like, maybe I don't really know what I want in, in a woman. Maybe I don't know who I like or what I like, you know, maybe I've just been, and I remember I wrote this in my journal, actually, Evan, I, I wrote down that I was like, you know, I feel like I'm, commer- I feel like I'm supposed to want this certain type of woman. Like I've read this in magazines my whole life. And right. She's supposed to be this way and look this way and talk this way and do these things. And I was really wrestling with that idea. So I started to kind of go, maybe I don't want that. Maybe there's something else I want. So I started to just, you know, I'd go and I approach women, I asked them out and lo and behold, you know, after not too long, I had more dates like in a week than I had even days in a week. I just, I, you know, I had to like stop doing it. And, um, guys would ask me cause they, you know, they would ask me like, how are you doing this? How are you seeing all these women? And they'd be like, what, what do you say to them? And I would be like, I'd say, I'd say, Hey, how's it going? And I remember I told this to one guy and he goes, that's it. Hey, how's it going? He's like, that actually works. I'm like, yeah, it works because it's genuine. It's lit. I was literally, I wasn't doing anything other than asking them yeah. very genuinely Hey, how is it going? Yeah. And they would respond genuinely because someone was genuinely asking them. It wasn't like some perfect pickup line or whatever. And you know, it's, yeah. it's funny, right? Like, when are you going to be ready? I didn't have the perfect thing to say. All I could be was genuine. That's all I had. Yeah. I mean, you can never know the perfect thing to say either. No. You can never know it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's this whole thing. Like you can, you know, you can, read as much, you can learn as much, you can, you can train and prepare yourself, you know, you could do that until the day you die and then, and never actually do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, and there, there comes a time when you do, you have to, you have to foray out there. Uh, There's this great quote, don't know who said it. Um, but it was action turns knowledge to wisdom. And Mm. that's, that's always stuck with me because you know, there is, there is a value to doing these things, to getting yourself prepared, getting yourself trained, learning. Absolutely. But until you actually start to learn application of these concepts, then it will always just remain a concept. Mm -hmm. And the things you have to test these things out in the real world and discover that it's not how nothing is ever perfect. Therefore you can never have a perfect way of, of approaching it. You can never be perfectly prepared for everything that's going to happen. If you constantly stay in just a completely theoretical realm of your, of whatever your discipline is. Yes. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one of my mentors, Lee is, you know, he talks about tactical, being tactical and being strategic and tactical is what most people try to do. And that's why most people really struggle at getting the goals that they want in life. Whereas people who are strategic, um, tend to succeed more. And, and the reason why is with tactical, 
it's kind of like very reactive. It's like this situation came up and now I have a tactic on how I'm going to deal with this situation. Whereas strategic, you don't really care what tactic you'll use. You know, you, you have a whole well of tactics. You might not have any tactics really, but what you understand is you understand the nature of the thing that happens. So to give you an idea, like a military general who is strategic is going to look at certain battles that they're going to fight. And they're going to be like, you know what, we're probably going to lose this battle, but that's okay because this battle needs to be fought so that something else can be done over here or, or so that, you know, so that we can progress in a certain way, a tactical general would be someone that's like, Oh, they're coming over here to the left. Let's send everyone over to the left. Cause that's where they're coming from. Right. Whereas a strategic, a strategic general would always defeat a tactical general. I don't necessarily like this word in the context of what we're talking about, but I'm just going to use an example is that cause it's not really about who's winning or defeating. Yeah. It's just the idea. And, and cause this is happening in life all the time, but tactical is very like, I'm going to react to what's going on in front of me right now. Strategic is thinking ahead, ahead of it. Yeah. You know, and that was what I found with dating. I'm going to bring it back to this was that it was more strategic for me. It wasn't tactical because tactical would have been like, I'm going to come up with the perfect opener so that she'll be impressed with me and think I'm funny and think I'm cool and whatever. It was actually not very tactical. I was just, Hey, how's it going? Was like, there's almost no tact in that really. It's, it's, there's really not a lot of thought put into it. Right. But it's strategic because what I realized was I just have to talk to her. That that was it. I just have to say words. I have to go up to her and I have to say <laughs> words because, you know, really like I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not whatever. Yeah. This is, all these things go through your head. But at the end of the day, if I don't talk to her, nothing else matters. Strategic thinking is going, I'll figure out to, what to say when I get in there, I, you know, I'll ask her, uh, there's something about like, for example, uh, one of the first girls that I asked out when I was in university, they, they had this art show that was at a, the student union area. And it was on a lunch break type thing, or after a lunch break, it was between an off class. And I just saw her staring at one of the paintings cause they had them up for a little while. And I, I thought, you know, well, that's interesting. She's looking at that. And I, I thought, Hey, how's it going? And then I just started asking, about the painting and talking to her about like why she was looking at that one and whatever. And all this, we had a great conversation and, you know, became really good friends and we're still friends to this day. Yeah. And, um, it just started because, you know, from not trying to be tactical, I was simply going, okay, I'm going to, the strategy is that I'm going to try to connect with this person in whatever way it goes. It's very responsive to the, to the, to the idea. Whereas tactic is like, she's going to say this. So when she says this, I'm going to say this, cause that would be really funny. Yeah. And then if she does this, I'll do that. But if she does this, I'll do that. Like tactics take a lot of work. And this yeah. is the thing that Lee was pointing out. He's like, so many people are trying to be tactical. They're trying to outthink, you know, outthink action. But when you're in the moment, like, you know, with Meisner until you're in the moment, you don't know what's going to happen. So everything else is kind of false. If you've tried to prepare it, you know, you, yeah. you kind of need to deal with it as you go. And I think that's the thing is that that leads to failure. You're going to fail sometimes because you're not going to expect what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and the thing is like, there's, there's always going to be failure, no matter what you think your level of preparedness is, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you're going to come up 
to some failures. You're going to, things are not going to work out the way that you would maybe wanted them to work out. The thing is, is that we have such a huge, what we have such a huge issue in our culture surrounding failure. You know, we have such an issue, like the way that we see failure, you know, it's, it's so, you know, it's like this unforgivable sin, you know, like our school system set us up for that, you know, like where it's, where she's like, Oh, like if you fail this test, you know, it's, that's almost a whole nother topic. If yeah. You get the education <laughs> system, but you know, like it does, it, it wires our, it wires us right from the beginning to avoid failure at all cost. Yeah. Because it's this massive fear-based system, you know, that it truly is like our education system runs a lot on, on fear where it's just like, if you don't get good grades or if you fail this class, you're going to get put back behind here. This is going to go on your records. You're never going to get into a university or a good one. And then you'll never get your thing. And then you'll never get a great job. And now you're screwed for the rest of your life. All from one little failure. All from one little failure. Yeah. And you know, and the, the education is seeing such a rapid shift now anyhow, because of so many reasons. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I I feel like that's, that's part of it because it's almost this thing that's now happening to the education system and showing how it's failing, (laughs) how it's failing a lot of the population because it's not even, it's, it's not serving so many people. There's people with, with degrees that are completely, you know, are, are only as good as like are worth basically the paper that they're printed on. Yeah. You you can't even do anything with it anymore and you can learn what you need to learn in so many different ways now. Well, people can be self-taught now. You can go online. I mean, and I'm not saying that every source you get is going to be the best source, but people can literally, you know, learn there. We have access to information. Plus the world has become in many ways, the world has become more complicated and more sophisticated than it used to be. Yeah. Because with the industrial revolution, it was very much around, you know, we need factory workers who can work an assembly line essentially and do a very specific job and do it right every single time. And if they make any failures, it's a problem. And so in a very simplistic, very basic mass marketing producing type of world, the education system in a sense kind of works. It kind of creates machine heads, you know, jar heads, you know, military. Yeah. Right. But now the thing is, is things are more complicated. So, you know, we have things that we want to do in, in in art and we have things that we want to do in life that aren't as simple as black and white. And our education system is failing us because it taught us not to fail, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and taught us to be, to be afraid to fail. Yes. It's a big thing. So, you know, it's, um, to get back into this, like, you know, being ready, like, how do you know, when you're ready type of thing. And, you know, it, there's not really an easy answer to that, but I mean, the, the, the fact is, is that you're, you're going to have to, if you really want something to happen in your life, you know, on this thing that you have chosen to do, whatever that is, you have to take it out of that, that place. You can't stay stuck in a classroom or a, you know, preparing yourself forever. Yeah. 
you know, you can't just, you can't be in preparation mode and then expect that somehow everything's just going to come to you. Yeah. 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 You know, I think, um, well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we'll talk about preparation and preparing is important, but you know, it's what I found in my life experience is that it's, if you want things in life, you need to look at what's the value you bring, not the value you can get. Because I think what the problem is, is that, you know, we're in a weird way. And I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know why this is exactly, but people are taught to, to be very individual, to look out for themselves and be like, how do I get what I want? Right. As opposed to how do I, how do I give value? You know? And so you know, take this in any, in any form. Um, when someone casts you in a role as an actor, it's because they see that you bring value to what they want. It's, it's, you know, in many ways, we need to look at if you want to get what you want in life, you need to look at how do I bring value? Not how do I get value? If you bring value, you'll get value. I mean, it will inevitably happen because the thing is, if, if you bring lots of value, people will want lots of value. And so, you know, they're going to give you value for it. Like, I think what a lot of people don't understand, for example, about money is that money is just representation of value, right? So if you want value, give value. You know, that's why people give money. They give value for value. You know, if I have a lot of money, what I, what I have right now is I have the promise of lots of value, you know, and I have things that, that basically, you know, I have this thing, this, this thing of value, right? So like as people, you know, people earn money by continually producing or creating value. And through that creating value, their exchange is this promise of value, which is basically money, right? Yeah. And so I think it's funny because, you know, we look at this, am I ready? Well, it's a simple, it's simple and it's complex in the same way. Part of it's really simple is do you offer value? If you offer value, you're ready for something guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, am I ready for this? Well, how much value do you bring to the table? I mean, if you want to say, bring value to say Steven Spielberg, for example, have you set yourself up in a way where you can bring that kind of value that he personally would benefit from? Not because you think it's valuable, because it's something that he would value, right? So um, I think what ends up happening is with this, am I ready? We're so focused on our own value. And we're thinking about like, am I good enough and all that other stuff? I just want to say like my observation is just get that off the table. You're enough. Whoever you are, you're, you're totally enough. Like now the question is, 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 are you, are you thinking in a way where you're helping other people? Or are you thinking, and this kind of comes back to our last talk. Yeah. Are you thinking in a way where you can get from people? And, the, and that's, that has a lot to do with being ready in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and it, it's also to acknowledge as well. I think it's important to acknowledge that no one, like while people can certainly, they can give you, give you jobs. I, I think that, uh, there's a lot of sort of successful people, you know, especially in the arts who you watch them and, and you see, it's like, Oh wow. Well they do all of their, they're doing all of these things but who I think actually have a very low sense of self-worth and have a very little understanding of the value that they bring. Tip, I think you look at pretty much any sort of maybe a celebrity or whatever who, who is extraordinarily self-destructive. Mm. You know, I would say that that is, 
that is a pretty clear sign of somebody who, you know, doesn't necessarily think that they're worth it or doesn't see the value that they bring. Hmm. So it's, that's an important thing. If you haven't started to think about that sort of thing is to really get in touch with, with what is your value? Mm-hmm. And do you see yourself as being valuable? Because if you, if you don't see yourself as being valuable, then no, like no, no manner of success, whether you get it or you don't can give that to you. No. And I think that's what, you know, I think that's what people get caught in the rat race of cha- chasing. And I think that's how they get manipulated and controlled is they believe that if I get the car, if I get the money, if I get the partner, if I get the thing, that everything will be good and I'll be valuable. Right. And it's like, no. And, and someone's benefiting off you buying into that lie. And, you know, I think the thing that, that I also want to point out is that you will always not feel good enough if you're comparing yourself and you need to, if you want to be, in my opinion, true, truthfully joyful and, and have a contentness and actually realize your value you need to start seeing value in other people. Don't, don't like your, your value is reflected in my opinion, in the way you see value in other people. So like, you know, it, it does me harm to, to look at someone else and say how I'm better than them. That actually hurts my value. Yeah. That's what people don't realize, but they think the opposite. They think if I'm better than this person, then I'm more valuable. You don't realize that actually does the opposite to you. It actually lowers your value. Every time you're competitive in the sense that you go, I won, so I'm better than you. You actually destroy a little bit of your self image and you create ego to compensate for that. Whereas if I go, wow, this person is amazing. Like they are truthfully look at all the value they bring. Actually, my, I am enhanced because now myself, my own value goes, how do I do that too? How do I bring value like they bring? But if I look at how someone's lower than me, lower value, in a sense, I see I'm enough now. I'm better. I'm okay. I don't need to improve my value because I'm better than them. So your value stops. It doesn't grow. It just retains. So, but what's going to happen? Eventually someone's going to come along. They're going to be better than you. And then you're going to be like, I'm not good enough again. So you're screwed. Yeah. So you've got to look for value in other people. In my opinion, this is the thing. This is the great confusion. We're all yeah. kind of trapped in a huge misperception. Yes. And you, like have. you said, perception, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I'm becoming, you know, further and further in the belief that, you know, the, the biggest things that stand between us and the things that we want in our lives is our perceptions on the world. Yeah. And, and of ourselves as well within the world. And, you know, this whole thing, like we are, we're very much brought, uh, we're, we're told that, you know, independence is a great thing, you know, like there is value to independence. Absolutely. But I feel like it's, we've become, it's gotten to a point where now we've isolated ourselves we've become, it's, it's not independence. It's isolationist. Yeah. You know, it's like, I've got to be in control of everything and the world is out to get me and nobody wants to help me. And, and this and that, and it's, and it makes it, it makes our lives so much more difficult than they, than they need to be. Because I think that life is so much better when we're working together, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're working with somebody and when you're working in a really healthy and, and, and creative way with, with someone else, it's extraordinary. 
in, you know, one of the, the big things, um, messages I like to bring in Meisner is your partner will take you to places you've never, you've never even dreamed of. Yeah. And by taking the attention off of yourself, you'll be extraordinarily, you'll just be so blown away with what can happen. Mm-hmm. Things that you didn't expect. Yeah. You know, uh, I can say for myself in the times where I was trying to control everything or be a micromanager in certain ways, uh, you know, trying to make sure a certain project worked out a certain way or certain things were done the way that I saw them. It was always ultimately very limiting. I I think it's really important to have a vision in, in what we do, but I think it's really important to be open to the expansion of it, that it's like, I have this little, even as grand as my vision is, you know, I have this idea of possibility, but then people will enhance that possibility. So for example, as a director, when the actors show up, I don't want to tell them everything to do and how to play the scene. What I want them to do is I want them to bring something to it. And if I give them some ideas like, Hey, you know, what I really want you to do is I want you to crowd them a little bit over here because you need to be, what, what needs to be happening is you need to be kind of an intimidating force so that blah, blah, blah happens. And they go, oh, okay, great. And then what they do is through their own process of the character and their own detailed um, idea of this character they're playing, they bring in their own personal experience, their own personal perception. And to them, crowding or whatever that is, or intimidating is there, is their understanding of it, yeah. not my understanding of it. And then what, what happens is my vision could never have anticipated their life. Right. And this yeah. is the, how it kind of comes back to that independence, right? We're, we're working together. It's collaborative. If I'm independent and I say, no, do it this way. This is the way it needs to be done. I cut off the possibility of, of collaboration and expansion. Right. And for somebody to, to take your inspiration as well. Sure. You know, like if you're the creator of something, you know, it's like share, share that, Yeah. you know, don't, don't protect it, share it, mm-hmm. you know, because by bringing other people into it, then, you know, it, I, I think it has this sort of chain effect, you know, like it, it just, or a domino effect, I should say, you know, it's like you, you, you bring this thing to people. It's just like, Hey, I have this idea. Mm-hmm. you know, I want you to be a part of this, you know, like, do you like, will you help me? And people will take that and they'll run with it. it does, that doesn't mean that, you know, you still, that you lose your inspiration. It doesn't mean that you lose your vision or whatever you want to call it. Like it's it, like you still, but you know, to the, the degree to which you try and possess it and, and control it, you're really, it's something that's meant to be, to be shared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think also like, you know, from a director point of view, if you want to be a director, I mean, just a director in film, a director in life doesn't really matter, but a director's focus, I think is to direct like energy and creativity. It's not to control it. It's, it's not to limit it, but it's to, to direct it, to focus it. You know what I mean? And so I think like, you know, you take improv, for example, improv even has direction. They say, you know, give us, uh, give us this thing, give us this location or give us this scenario. That's basically the audience becomes the director. The audience gets to throw out some options on how to direct this thing. They're not controlling it. Once it's within that direction, then it's kind of exploratory, but 
if improv doesn't have direction, it's very just random chaos, yeah. you know? And I think that that's the thing where we, we kind of, you know, it's, you need to have, it's not control. Like, and I think that's the difference between directing and control. Control is like, no, it, it has to be this way, look this way, feel this way. That's how I want it to be so specific. Whereas like direction is, it needs to go in this direction, but let's see what happens within this direction, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and be open to the surprises and the things that can, that can happen in the moment. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be, I mean, coming back to, to where we've started this from, it's just like, you know, being this thing of being prepared and being ready for, for everything. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's still, it's going to come down to how you can be open and respond to everything that happens as it happens. Yeah. As and well, you know, uh, you know, I, I, it's as you're talking about that, I, I thought popped into my mind about like Navy SEALs, for example, right? Mm. So Navy SEAL is like a highly trained soldier and they're prepared for many situations, circumstances, you know, they're prepared for, you know, being submerged underwater, having your gear on you. Um, you know, how do you survive the cold? How do you survive the extreme heat? You know, how do you eat when you're in enemy territory? You know, things like this, right? But the thing is, is that as much preparation as they do, which is all really important because if you want to do a job that extreme, you need to have a certain amount of preparation before you get into it. I mean, otherwise you're, you know, going to be an invalid and you know, you're going to die, right? So it's life and death. But that being said, they can only prepare you for so much. There's going to be variables and circumstances and things that you, you don't anticipate and then you deal with them in the moment as you go. A little garbage truck. A little garbage truck action. <laughs> we always get one little interruption. You know? I know. I know. Because you know what, Evan? We're not afraid to make mistakes. We're not afraid to make mistakes <laughs> and who knows what can happen. Although Wednesday is garbage day, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it, gives it, it, gives it, a, it gives it a very live feel. You know, this commercial break for the garbage truck. Well, you know what? Why don't, uh, while we're doing our, uh, gar- commercial, break. our commercial break here for, uh, for the garbage truck, um, <laughs> let's talk about the beer. Uh, this is from, you know, I felt a, a craving to go back to our good friends at 33 Acres. Yeah. And uh, they had this one up there, which is their uh, 33 Acres of Echo. Yeah. 33 Acres of Echo. It is an ISA. In, what is in, that? in India session ale. Ah. So it, um, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's a little hoppier, Yeah. but it's not like a full fledged IPA. Like it's not, doesn't quite have that same smash in the face kind of hit that an IPA gives you. And it's a, it's lower alcohol as well. I think this one's like four and a half percent. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, I think it's supposed to be a little bit easier drinking a little bit. Yeah. It has a smoothness to it. You know, it does. It's kind of like, uh, <laughs> this is hilarious here. Let's, uh, let's just close these windows. <laughs> well, they're, they're taking their time. They usually, they usually come earlier, Evan. They're in and out like Navy seals. <laughs> yeah. They're in and out. But, uh, this time we noticed them, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> so it's fun, kind of funny, actually, you know, you, you know, have this podcast that's like, you know, you kind of, 
I think a lot of time when people are doing a podcast, they have this illusion that they're in this really nice studio or whatever. Or <laughs> it's like, no, you know, um, sometimes we just go to location after location. But you know what's interesting is, uh, and we were talking about this the other day, I don't, I don't know how quickly we're going to do this or not, but um, we were invited to go down to Paramount Studios. Yes. And yeah, uh, yeah um, and to have podcasts with some really big people in the industry, which is super exciting. I mean, you know, is pod, what is this, Podcast 36? Yeah, three, is it 36? 35 or 36, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think this is 36. Yeah. Um, but um, I, could be, I could be incorrect. I could have made a mistake there. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, uh, what's really exciting is that um, the podcast is actually leading to these really great things. You know, and if uh, you think about where we started... We didn't really know what we were doing. We're just like, hey, you know, why don't we record this conversations? We have some good things to share. If nobody listens, no problem. But now it's created an opportunity where you and I are going to be invited down, or we actually already are. Yeah. We're invited to come down <laughs> to the office in Paramount Studios and, uh, you know, and have talks with, uh, you know, people who, who are big who, in the industry. Yeah, whoever. We don't know. We don't even know. We don't right? even know. But, but it's but... all being kind of lined up now. So this is this is kind of crazy. Yeah. You know? We're, we're, I, I'm, and I'm super excited to, uh, to do that. I mean, we've already had some really, really terrific guests mm-hmm. on, uh, on the show so far. Um, so, you know, whoever, whoever will, will end up chatting with, you know, in our time there, you know, I'm, well, you know, it's amazing too, because if no one ever listens to this podcast, you and I still get to hang out at Paramount Studios and talk to cool people yeah, that, about, you know, we might not otherwise get the opportunity yeah. to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And talk about the things that we love about art and the creative process and, yeah, and integrity and authenticity and all of these just the, the best things in life. I know. And here's the thing is like, I'm just going to lead this back. Were we ready? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, you know, when we started this podcast, I, I like if, if someone would have told me what it took to get a podcast off the ground and all the things and all the things that go in place with this, I would have been like, man, I, I don't know. I, I think I got some preparation to do. Yeah. But we kind of just said, you know what? We went with it and we learned on the go. And yeah, we made some mistakes and the garbage truck's gone now, but <laughs> maybe it'll get better as we go along. Yeah. But the idea is that it's getting done. We're, we're making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, get some fresh air in here. Yeah. Get some fresh air in here again. <laughs> it's hot. This uh, is uh, I don't know when you're listening to this, but it's coming on summertime. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can you, feel, can you feel the heat there? Yeah. <laughs> wherever you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's funny too, because when this might be a, a slight departure from our, our, topic today, but I was having this, I had this realization cause you, you just told me yesterday we spoke and you said like, Hey, listen, like there, there's this opportunity for us to go down to Paramount studios and, and do this podcast. And it, it'll probably happen very, very soon. Like if it's going to happen and you know, there is this, there was this part of me that immediately went like start started like throwing all of these obstacles at me you know that was just like right. like well hold, hold on hold on hold on oh my god like wait what what's like i, I i'm just gonna I, I can't just drop everything and blah, blah 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 like it was just going nuts it was running rampant of all of these reasons you know why why i can't but yet at the same time you know there there was also like and it this all happened within a uh 
you know, a few, you know, like within a split second, Yeah. you know, but for me, I was like, there's no, there's no question, you know, that's an extraordinary opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, I don't have the most time to prepare for that. Right. Right. I don't like to, to get ready and to, and to make sure everything's all right for, for that to happen. But at the end of the day, what's the most important thing? Yes. What's the most important thing to me? And you know, you've, it's to follow the passion, to follow the joy and, and, and your authentic self and and what you want to do. Well, that's, you know, you bring up a good point too, because, um, the whole idea was kind of presented to me in a similar way. It's like, Hey, and you know, um, it looks like, uh, and you never know what's going to happen, but it also looks like this could potentially even lead to more opportunities, um, out of this. Um, but what's really interesting is we didn't necessarily know that we were preparing for that. Like we've been, if you think about it, this is a 36 podcast we've done. And when we started, we didn't know it would lead to here. I mean, if people said, Hey, by the way, you know, around 36, you know, podcasts or 35 podcasts, you guys are going to basically be invited down to Paramount Studios and, you know, you're going to be welcomed onto the lot and blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know, we didn't know it was going to happen and whether it happened or didn't happen, it didn't really matter. But what's kind of neat is that I think what, you know, this whole thing about being ready, if we were just in preparation mode, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But well, most likely I'm pretty certain it would have, but because we went and we took action and we, we tried it out and we're, we're dabbling with it. And, um, guests who have been on this show so far have said, you know, we've had a great experience. It, It opened up the doors really for more stuff to happen. And, you know, it's, uh, I mean, if you just go back to the first podcast, I, I remember like humble beginnings, you know, we, we didn't know. And, uh, and, um, and it's neat. And, you know, it's like, also there's all these benefits of just doing it. Like I found that since we've done it now, I mean, my comfort level of doing a podcast is, you know, way better. I'm, I'm totally relaxed here and just enjoy myself. And it's like, who's ever on the other end of this podcast is like, you're just the third person in this room for me. I mean, and, and, uh, if you could talk back, you know, I'd love it, <laughs> but in a situation you're just kind of listening, but yeah. whatever, you know, send us an email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's the nature of the technology, but you know what I, you know, um, but anyway, yeah, I think this is the thing. Are you ready? You're, you're ready right now. I mean, whatever you want to do, you got to go and you got to take some action, get some knowledge, get some awareness. If you find out that you made some mistakes or there's some things, then go back you know, figure that stuff out and come back and do it again, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I mean, and there's, you know, and there's, cause there is, there's a flip side to it as well. It's, it's in somewhat to some degree in, in overconfidence, you know, that can happen. It's like, we're feeling like, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for everything. That'll, that'll screw you too. Like yes. the feeling like you're not prepared or feeling like you're, that you're completely prepared. Both are, incorrect. Yes. (laughs) Right. And, and one of the things, um, I, I loved a a great Meisner teacher, um, Larry McDonald, different Larry. Um, (laughs) who I think I mentioned actually in in another podcast before, but I, I still remember him, him saying like, like whatever you've got, trust it. 
whether you've, and it was, it was speaking exactly to what we're talking about right now. It was, you know, he was, it was, uh, an actor was feeling like, I, I don't have this. I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not, I don't have the preparation I need kind of thing. And, and he was just like, Hey, listen, listen, whatever you've got, trust it because whether you like it or not this afternoon, you're walking through that door and a scene's going to happen. And what you questioning and doubting and, and about whether you're going to be ready or not is not going to help you. Right. And the thing is, is that it, it was so fascinating because I, I actually got the opportunity to watch that unfold. I got to watch the scene go on a few times. Like as they, they tried it, like I probably watched them put this up like four or five times or something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. even more. I don't know. doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I saw this actor struggling, uh, in this, in this scene. And then this one time, like this last or second to last time that they put it up, I suddenly, I just went like, Whoa, right. Like, like, holy crap. Like he's really like, he just really started to find this now. Like Mm. he's really found this groove. And that's when I found out that this exchange had happened. I'm like, wow, that's great advice that you just gave him. Right. Right. And I'm I'm like banked, you know, (laughs) banked. I'm going to remember that one and now share it with everybody. (laughs) Um, because, and he, and even the, the actor said, he's like, you know what? Like that was just so like it shifted him you know, it was a, it was a shift for him because he was like, you know what? Like I still like, there's a part of me that's just like, Oh, like I haven't quite got there yet to where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I, I, he was able to step in with whatever he had at that moment and say, all right, I'm going to trust it. And, and put all the garbage, all the voices that were in his head, just throw them aside. It's like, you know what? I just got to trust what I got and go. And man, that scene took off mm-hmm. just on that alone, right? Just on that one thing yeah. of trusting that it's like, you know what, whatever happens, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to move with it. And, and yeah, and it, and it had incredible life to this, to the scene that, that hadn't been there before and incredible truth to it that hadn't been there before, because at the very least he was able to, he was able to connect to the moment of what was happening. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, right? I mean, like, you know, we just don't know how, how ready we are a lot of the time. And, um, I think that there's ways in which you can improve yourself, but you know, um, maybe it's an analogy, but like looking at like playing for a, like a losing sports team and knowing what it's like to be down a goal and to be fighting and to have that experience to be trying to come back. Um, when you're playing on a winning team, which I, I played on both, I played on the best team in the league and I played on the worst team in the league. I've, and, and various teams in between through my sports career. Um, but when you, when you're, when you're used to winning all the time and you get down a goal, it's a really kind of intense situation. You know, you're not used to being down a goal. So it's, uh, you know, even though you kind of have the confidence that you'll come back, the, you don't have a lot of experience with it. When you play on a losing team 
and you're fighting for every little bit you can get to kind of like, you're always fighting, but you're, you know, you're, you're fighting for every little bit to come back. Um, and you know, you're basically, you're giving, you're, you know, on a, for example, on a great team, in some ways there's a kind of an ease to it because, um, in certain ways you might be gunned for by everybody in the league, but in some ways your team is so competent that you almost don't have to work that hard. The passes come in perfect. You, um, you almost don't even, everybody's just in the right position. It's, it's, you know, you lay off the ball or you lay off the puck or whatever. And it's like, everybody's there. It's, you look like a pro because everybody's doing their job really well on a bottom feeder team, which I've been on before a mid-level team. Yeah. Sometimes people are in the right spot. Sometimes they're not. And this is really, really frustrating. Like, um, especially like when you're like, um, bet- the the guy you need to pass the ball to is between you and the defender. And you're like, just run to the right or run to the left. And, and you know, in, in a great team, even if the guy was behind the defender, you could put the ball into space and he would know to go there. Yeah. Whereas on a bottom feeder team, sometimes they wouldn't. But my point is, is that you, you learn a certain kind of, uh, you learn a certain kind of, um, way to deal with things, you know, just by the experience of it. Well, you know, there's, there's two things in what you're talking about, you know, and, and please, if you're on the other end of this and and you're not a sports person, like that, that doesn't matter. Like that it's, you don't have to be necessarily be a, like a, a real sports person to appreciate because they're, they're, it, it sounds like a cliche, but there are life lessons to be found within sports. Yeah. There's a lot because what you just said to me is like, well, that, that's a, a, an incredible illustration of some things we're talking about right now. And one of those is trust. You know, what can happen like when you trust, when you can trust that the person's going to be where, where they're going to be. Yeah. Um, and you know, and that shows also where a degree of preparation comes into play. Yeah. Right. Or that practice comes, comes in right? It's like, uh, okay, like, I know that, like, there's somebody who's going to be, like, right behind me right now. You know, that's, um, you know, like, probably, like, my favorite sport to watch is hockey. You know, I love watching the dynamics of how, of how it, how it moves. And it's like, you know, you watch these, these players make these blind passes. And, you know, some people, they go, like, how the hell did they know that they were, that they were going to be there? Right. You know, and sometimes it's an improvisation. Sometimes there's some players who have a certain connection to each other. But most of the time, it's because they knew somebody was going to be there. Right. They knew somebody was going that way. Right. And they trusted that that person was going to do it. But also to what you were saying as well, you know, like a move to the left, a move to the right. It's also an illustration of how, how you can help somebody. Yes. Right. It's just like, look how you can help. Holy crap. Like this, this, like they're swamped, they're covered. There's a person, let me adjust, let me move and I can help them. Right. And by helping them now I'm free to receive the pass or whatever it is. I'm, I'm open, I'm available. And now I've helped them out. And that actually helps all of us out now because now we're still in possession, right? Yes. We still have an opportunity to do something. Well, you know, there's uh, it's interesting. Hockey and soccer were my two big sports and they have some certain similarities, but, um, you know, there was a period of time where, 
I mean, I started playing for really great teams, guys who were always in position. They they basically make you look really good. I mean, yeah. you didn't even really have to be that great of a player <laughs> if you understood what they knew what to do. They made it look good. But then, you know, um, a few years later, I played for a team that was like, a, you know, kind of a not so good team, a bot, kind of a bottom feeder. And um, guys weren't in position. And it was a new experience for me. Um, and, uh, you know, playing for a really good team, you definitely get great training. You get you build a lot of skills. You know, I was very passionate about it. So I developed a lot of foot skill. Even in hockey, I developed a lot of stick handling skill, this type of thing. And I remember um, one of my coaches saying, like, you know, you need to you need to lay off the ball, pass the ball more, do whatever. Because I started to, because I was a kind of a player who got cut from a higher end team and got put down a lower end team. So right. I basically went from being like a bottom level player on that team to being like the captain and free kick taker and penalty shot taker on this team. So right. you basically go from, but, but I was like kind of the star, but now as a star, I was like, Oh, well I need, because if people are in a position, I need to do certain things, you know? Um, but he, uh, one of my coaches said, just put the ball where you know, it needs to go. They'll run there, you know? And, and it's true, you know, like, um, when you put the ball into the space, the player in the high-end team knows to go there already, but the player that didn't know sees the ball, and they're, they're a beat slower, but if you lay a good ball, in many ways, they'll run to it anyway. So in some ways, you kind of got to trust that the, the, the idea works in and of itself. For example, in hockey, and anybody who knows hockey, when you come to the blue line, sometimes you might get into a situation where you could get checked on the defensive blue line. So it's good to just dump the puck into the corner, yeah. even though you know your team is not skating in to go get it. Just do it because ultimately in, in the situation, the, the alternative is you get checked on the blue line and it actually causes more dismay for your team. Even though you'll lose the puck in their end, ultimately, because no one's going to chase in to get it, which is frustrating. It's better to do that because that you know, X amount of distance between them having to retrieve the puck and come back gives your team a little bit time to get back on the defensive and sort themselves out. So, but, but I think the point is, is that ultimately like with team sports teach a lot of lessons about how it doesn't matter how good of a player you are when, when you're, you really need a, you really need your team, you know, you're, you're, you know, and I think this is comes for all art, like what we were talking about earlier. The absolute, yeah. The value of teamwork and, and it would be a mistake to, to say it's like, oh, well, that, that applies to, to the realm of sports and the, and the realm of sports only. No, 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 that's, that, that's not, that's not the case. I mean, like even in sports, you can, you can say it's like, well, you know, you see all of the, like the, the selfish players, you know, the ones who are the ball hogs, the puck hogs, the <laughs> whatever. Right. And nobody wants to work with them. Nobody wants them on their team. No, you know, like it's, and, and the same is true for, you know, any other artistic discipline, acting, directing, acting, directing, <laughs> anything. writing. Yeah. If you're, if, if you're not willing to work in a, at, in a team, you know, like you're, you're not only crapping on them, but you're crapping on yourself too, because you got nobody, you got nobody to like pass back to you. You got nobody to, to to be creative with mm-hmm. someone to help you get there, someone to help you get to that goal, right. And find ways of doing it Yeah. because there's so many ways of doing it. Right. Yeah. Like, like you might be bringing in that, you know, that, that creative spark, that, that 
point of, of inspiration where you say like, and the idea, right. But ultimately there's like, okay, you have the idea. Now we're trying to make it real. We're trying to, we're trying to make it something that tangibly exists in our world. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different thing. You know, it's a completely different thing. And, and to try and do all of that on your own is a giant mistake. You know, I think you've, uh, you know, I think we, we, I guess have stumbled upon this. Um, but are you ready? You're in many ways, you're ready to the degree that you're willing to collaborate and work with other people. Because, you know, if you think about it, like if you try and do everything on your own, you're going to have to be so capable, so good, so much to be able to do that. But there's so many people out there who have talents in other areas, you know, um, and the more that you, and I don't say just team up with anybody. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying like recognize that other people, and it's like I said earlier, recognize the value that other people have and see how that can assist you. You know, um, I've talked a bit about this in other podcasts, but like, for example, marketing and branding, it's not my expertise. You know, I'm learning about it. I've read a ton on it. I've talked to a lot of people about it. I'm not well practiced in it. I'm trying, but you know, I recently teamed up with someone, um, to be my marketing and branding person as a part of my business. And they are an expert at this. They love it. They're connected in the industry. They, you know, and they're an amazing addition and they're, um, an amazing person. Um, you know, they bring a lot of the personal qualities that I want to work with in someone. And I look at that and I go, this is great. It's not that I'm not going to learn how to do marketing, but now the, the things that we're doing together are so much better because they have something they're an expert at and I have something that I'm an expert at. And what happens is together we're more, but if I tried to do all of that on my own, you know, it's like, I'd have to, it's like, and I, I hit that point. I basically hit that point where I'm like, this is learning an entirely new career. And it gave me a lot of respect because I, I used to think, oh, I can run a business and just do, you know, I could do this stuff. And I just realized I can, but the amount of time it will take me. Yeah. It's like not worth it. You know, like I'm basically going to, like I, I, I measured it out. The amount of things that like I, I figure I'll, I'll probably save time wise are probably five to 10 years. Like I would be able to do everything in a sense, but it will take me probably five to 10 years. And if I work really hard, maybe three, but still either way, even if I lose like 10 days, like it's like you're losing all this time, you know, people help so much by like, yeah. So being ready, I think is a lot to do with not just what do you bring to the table and offer, but you know, connecting with people who amplify what you bring. Yeah. Yeah. And that's comes into what you're passionate about. Yeah. Like what is your passion? That's what you're probably an expert at. Mm-hmm. Or I, I once there's this, uh, there was a Ted talk. I think it was like, know your, it was like, know your life purpose in like five minutes or something okay. like that. <laughs> it, search it up. It's, it was, it was interesting. It, it, and one of the, the questions of like, there was a couple of different ones, but one of the questions was like, okay, like, what do you feel you're, you would be most qualified to teach in your life? That's, and whatever it is you feel most qualified to teach, that's, that's what you are. Hmm. Right. That's, that's, what your thing is. Mm. And, um, and, and we all have one of those things. And that's not to say that it's not useful to learn bits of what other people do. Like, especially when you're in, in something like the film industry where there's so many, there's so many different people coming into the mix. Right. Um, 
that's great, but you know, don't you just want to focus on your on your main passion anyhow? Yeah. And let somebody who's passionate about their thing do their thing because they're going to bring something to it that you you never thought of doing, that you it's, never even conceived of, that's going to blow your mind, but only if you are open to it and if you're going to allow somebody to do that. You're for right. You. You're right. Only if you're open to it and you're willing to allow it. You know, uh, my, my partner Colin, right? So we had a meeting uh, last week and he ran me through this experience, which is so brilliant. But he basically ran, we were, we were naming the company, we're renaming, rebranding, right? And he ran me through this experience and, uh, and give it like, and it was, it, it was basically, I don't know how to explain it, but I was like, so stuck. I was like trying to come up with this name and he was giving me all these ways in which you can do it and to kind of make it interesting. And and he was showing me stuff. And then finally he was like, okay, so where do you want to leave this? And I guess I'm like, I guess I'm going to go away for the week and just think about this name. And he goes, do you want me to make it easier for you? And then he basically laid the name on me and he explained why. And I was like, he's like, I wanted to run you through that experience. So you understood like what it takes to actually come up with a name like this. And I was like, wow, that was brilliant. You actually gave me the experience of it. But that's the thing is his, he's masterful in that area, which, you know, I probably would have named the business poorly. I would have done something that was, you know, silly and like, you know, I don't know the word, but just kind of cheesy or something really ultimately. And then, you know, and I wouldn't have understand, understood all, all these things. And like he, in a way, this doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal because, you know, I don't know, I'm getting into this, but it's an exciting thing for me because I'm learning more and more about search engine optimization, SEO, all this stuff, right? Um, you know, and marketing and branding and the name you have and the feel that it has when people say that term or they say that word, um, all these things make an impression, right? And so, um, the, the way in which, people experience this gives them an idea. Right. And so it's interesting because as he's working on that side, I'm, I'm dealing more with the filmmaking, the movie making, and I'm showing him things. And he's funny because he's now with his wife and they're breaking down the 26 plot line of every movie they watch. And she's right. like, stop doing that. She's <laughs> like, he's like, I'm doing it because he's like, this kid's right. Like everything yeah. breaks down into 26 points. And he's like, and so it's so funny because like he's profoundly shifting around story and I'm profoundly shifting around marketing and branding. It's like wonderful. But if I try to do all that on my own, first of all, I'm not passionate about marketing and branding. I'm fascinated by it, yeah. but I'm not like, I don't wake up in the morning going, how do I brand a company? Yeah. <laughs> but I do wake up in the morning and going, let's watch some movie because I want to, I want to, I just want to look at the story and I want to break down the characters. And I, I, I love to that. see how they did that. Right. And yeah. So we both have our own passion. I think you're, 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 you know, and I think sometimes people don't realize what they're passionate about. And that exercise you're talking about, maybe from the Ted video kind of points yeah, maybe you're passionate about this. I don't think there's any passion that's wrong, but if you're doing what you love, then it's never, you never work a day in your life. You really don't. Yeah. When I was doing marketing and branding on my own, there's a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) But like breaking down story, mentoring people, teaching them about story, doing this podcast, this isn't work for me. This is fun. I would do this regardless of what happens but marketing and branding, I'm kind of doing that because I'm like, well, I guess I have to do it because you know, but he, he, that's part of his passion. So, you know, for whatever reason he loves that. And then he's very, very good at it. So what a great team we are, you know, because we both need each other to do what we want to do. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, I mean, I think the point is, is that, okay, because their question is, are you ready? What if you're ready right now? Well, I'm ready to teach and mentor. That's clear. I've already gotten great results. People have won massive awards through the film school, blah, blah, blah. Am I ready to be a great marketer and brander? Maybe not, but do I need to be? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's an, an important distinction to make. And, and it, it's something that I've been learning as well with like having a school. It's like, you know, what am I really passionate about? Like I'm passionate about teaching. You know, I love, I love teaching Meisner work. The rest is <laughs> like, you know, and, and now after, after launching, you know, I, and this is something that I'm even starting to grasp because I have to undo a lot of these things where it's like, I have to know how to do all of these things. And now I'm starting to shift into places like, no way, hold on. I don't know how, I don't need to know how to do all of these things. You know, like my, I've got to keep on focusing on the things that I'm most passionate about and find other people who are very passionate about what they do. And I started doing that and just, and, and now bring other people and say like, yeah, like, listen, I'm going to help you do this part yeah. of everything. It's like, I'm going to help you do search engine optimization Yeah, <laughs> and this sort of stuff. I'm like, fantastic because I just don't want to do that stuff. You know, and it's yeah. like, and, and I was in the process of like trying to figure that stuff out on my own. And it's just like, man, it's just, so much easier. Like when I sat down and, and, and for like a a brief consult with the person who's starting to do this with me now, like they just started asking me questions. I'm like, man, this is, this is so much better (laughs) than me trying to do this on my own. Right. It is relief. It is. So, you know, like really like reach your hand out, you know, like, like Mm -hmm. reach out to, to, to people. Well, you know, and I want to say a little caveat to this whole thing too, is that don't just work with anybody either. Like, Mm -mm. you know, Colin and I are teaming up partly because he, he was referred by Gabe and Gabe, Gabriel Napora, who's on our show is a, is a mentor and a very close friend of mine. And he's, he's at the point where I can trust pretty much anything he says and know that I'm going to get really good. And he, you know, really good people really good things, you know? And, um, that led me to Colin and then Colin is close with Gabe. He's exemplifying the exact same qualities. The more I get to know Colin, the more I'm finding like, wow, like Colin's becoming more of a friend and a mentor and a partner. And it's like, you know, I'm very, very fortunate to have teamed up with someone who's not only great at what they do, but they're a really quality person too, because and this is part of the integrity part of this talk is that partnership is not just about partnering up with anybody to make it easier on yourself. Yeah. It's about partnering with the right people for you. Then not, not that people are better, but the right people for you. And with my integrity, Colin and Gabe align very much with what I want to do. You align very much with what I want to do. That's why we're doing this podcast together. You know, and, and the thing is, is that it's not to say that than anybody's better than anybody, but they align with whatever. Right. And I think this is really, really important when you do partnership is that, yeah, you want to make it easier and you want to go with someone who's an expert, but don't do it out of integrity. That's, that's, that's my caveat. And you know, I'd say too, is, um, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting cause Gabe was talking because Gabe and I talk a lot about feature filmmaking and movie making, and 
he actually mentioned to this to us early on. He said, uh, you know, the because we're talking about doing this movie on the highway. But he's like, don't get caught in thinking too small because when you think too small, what ends up happening is you end up making bad choices. And I think what ends up happening is like, you know, what Gabe's my tribute to Gabe is Gabe has really taught me to think bigger. And when you think bigger, this is my experience. When I think bigger. I start to think about what I will need to achieve a bigger vision. When I think small, I'm not thinking about those things. So um, when I was thinking smaller, I was thinking, well, I'll just do all of this myself. But when you start thinking bigger, it comes clearly very evident that you're not going to be able to do everything yourself. Then you're gonna, it's going to become evident, who do I need to, if I want this thing to be bigger, who do I need? And like, for example, us going down to Paramount, this is my soapbox. I don't know, I guess. But um, I just call it out. I love calling it out. Yeah. <laughs> I never want to be like, Here it is. this guy's talking for a long time. Yeah, it's like, like we like, should th- throw some, like, some sort of, have some sort of a jingle for, like, when yeah. it happens. We can go, yeah. we can go back and be like, dude, it's like, it's Brandon's soapbox moment. Yeah, I feel like I'm covering, like, 17 points at once, but whatever. Um, Hit us. But, uh, man, now I'm losing my point of thought. Okay, so basically... Um, when you're, when you're thinking small and you're thinking about how you're going to do everything yourself, when you're thinking bigger, you're going to start to think about who, who would be good to help you? Because I think this is the problem with the small business owner that, you know, is that the small business owner, um, kind of convinces themselves and we're all business owners. If you're an actor, you're a business owner, you're the same way, you know, but we convince ourselves that we can do everything and we, we take on this independent attitude And, um, you know, and the problem is, is that in thinking, in thinking small, we don't actually realize that people could help us to expand massively in other areas. And, um, you know, I mean, Colin pointed out the other day where he's like, I want you to stop building Wix websites. (laughs) Cause like I built all these Wix website templates, which are really beautiful and cool and whatever. Right. But he's like, stop doing that. Cause that's not that's not what you need to be doing. What you need to be doing is you need to be in the minds of filmmakers and screenwriters and understanding what their challenges are. What do they need? What do they want? You need to be thinking about how to better connect with them. Right. You do not need to be wasting your time figuring out how to make a Wix website look. Like, you know, and you think about it, he was, he's dead on because he's basically pointing out, it's like, you're wasting your talent and ability on doing something that you're not even passionate about and you're, every moment that you spend doing this, you're not doing what you have a gift that you're clearly offering. Yeah. And it's like so true. And I mean, that's the great thing about having a great partner, a great teammate is they call you out on your stuff and say, stop wasting, you know, stop wasting your talents on, you know, and I mean, same for you, right? Like your Meisner teaching, which I had an amazing experience of, you should be teaching Meisner, at least from my experience, you should be teaching Meisner. You should not be sitting around doing SEO. <laughs> <laughs> get someone to do SEO yeah. and go teach Meisner because that's what you're good at, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I've been acting for 15 years. I did your course and I was like, this is awesome. And it was just the first one. Yeah. <laughs> so, clearly you have a talent for that. Clearly you love it. You should be doing that. Just like, and it, just for me, I should be teaching movies. I should be teaching screenwriting or I should be writing a script. Like, even if I'm not teaching it, I should be doing the stuff that I love. Yeah. Right. And I think we all convince ourselves that we need to do these things, right? Like I need to go to my nine to five job because I have to make money to pay my rent, to do whatever. And we get stuck in this inertia of it. 
But like, you know, when I say, well, you don't have to do that. People go, well, how do I do that? I'm not going to say it's going to happen overnight, but I just want you to accept that you're that I, and I kind of come bring it back. The education system that we're in has taught us that we have to have a nine to five job, that we have to do things a certain way. And it's really hard for us to break that. We're, we're very, very programmed. Um, and so I think that first you just have to be aware that that's the first thing is that you, and I, I say this to everybody I work with, you don't have to trade your time for money. You can start to trade your value for money. And just that simple little thing can start to get you to think differently. It's not going to happen overnight. You're probably going to still have to work your job for a little while before this transition takes place. But if you're willing to consider that that's true, that you're not actually bound to this, you you can free yourself. But I think like what people go is, well, I don't know how to do it right now, so I'm not going to do it. It's like, no, you know, you're not going to know how to do it right now, but you need to at first accept the idea that this is possible because I think people really believe there's no other way to make money than by than other than working an hourly job. Um, and there's many different ways to trade your value. You, you could teach, you could do a lot of different things. You could build something, you create things. Um, but, uh, you know, you could do a whole variety of things. But I think what happens is our school system is very strongly pointing us in that direction that you have to get a job and you have to make money and you have to pay rent and you have to do all this stuff and you don't really have to do any of it. But we believe in it and we're so immersed in it that we're caught in it, right? And this is the small thinking. Because like, to think big like, is to think, how do I exchange my value for money, not my time for money? Mm-hmm. You know, that's thinking, that's definitely thinking bigger, at least. Yeah. Right? And so then, you know, now I'm kind of like, I'm, I mean, I'm making money as a screenwriter um, and I'm making money in my business, right? Both exchanging my value, not my time. I can work on the screenplay you know, for a short period of time, I can work on it for a long period of time. At the end of the day, they want the value of the screenplay. Um, with the clients I work with, you know, they don't care if they can get the same result in 15 minutes rather than an hour, they'd rather get it in 15. So time is irrelevant, right? But if it takes me three hours, it takes me three hours. That's just something I'll have to refine. But it, at the end of the day, at least I, I am clear in my value I'm exchanging, not like, Oh, I, I did an hour coaching with you. You owe me X amount of money. Like that's a very, very limited way of, of conducting ourselves in life. Yeah. So anyway, that's my soapbox, Evan. Now you feel free. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> cause I don't, I'm running out. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love what you're putting down. I mean, I feel like, uh, like maybe this is perhaps uh, a good, a good moment to, to sort of like, for me, like now I feel like we're recapping a lot of sort of what we're, we've been going through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, for me, like this, what we've been talking about, it's, you know, you really like, if you don't know what your value is, like that's, that's, first and foremost, like that's something that you need to start thinking about. Yeah. You know, you've got like wherever you are in your life, you've got the rest of your life in front of you, you know? And, and if you're not, if you're not doing the thing that you're passionate about, if you're not connected to, to what your value is and what you have to give, you know, like what you have to give your passions are not, not, ridiculous. They're not absurd. You know, they're not, 
you know, they're not silly. There, there's, there's a reason why you have them, mm-hmm. you know, and they, that passion could, might be expressed in, in a variety of different ways, right? Like, I don't know what that is, but you need to start exploring that. Yeah. You need to start figuring out what that is. Right. And like, it's, it's, it's the most crucial thing that you have to do. And then once you've figured that out and you start to move forward now, it's just like, okay, now don't try and do everything on your own focus. Keep your focus on, on what it is that, that it is that you love. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if this conversation is necessarily over. Um, no, no, no. I'm not necessarily saying it's <laughs> over either, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, I would say, you know, we have talents and I think our talents sometimes become quite niche, um, in certain ways. And I think we need to be careful about getting too niche because, um, we need to look like, would people want this? Do they benefit from this? I mean, you know, I mean, I could be uh, silly. I give you the best widget maker in the world. You know what I mean? But it's like, nobody wants widgets. It's like, okay, well, you know what I mean? Like I give you the best at doing something, but if nobody wants that, it's, you know, it's not really a business model. Like, um, for example, uh, I don't know, you could take something just totally random, you know, like, um, if people don't need the thing, then you're not really going to have a business for it. And I think the thing is, is that, you know, you want to connect, you want to connect to what you love to do. But I think that if we probe a little deeper, you, you ultimately come down to the answer of how you want to help. How do you want to improve other people's lives? Like, what do you want to offer? What do you want to contribute? Um, and I think when people don't think they want to contribute, they're just a little bit disconnected because, you know, I think a good model to find out how you want to contribute is start to look at how how you want people to contribute to your life. Because some of us don't necessarily aren't connected to how we want to contribute, but we're, most of us are pretty connected to how we want people to contribute to us. Like, well, I'd really love people to give me more money. I'd really love people to, to do this. I'd really love to have more freedom, work less, do this. I'd, I'd love to have a scenario where I eat better food or live in a bigger house or whatever. We all know ways in which we want the world to contribute to us. So that's a good place to start to go, well, something had to create that. You know, it's, if we were in the middle of the wilderness and there was no other people around and we had to find our own food and build our own shelters and do all this stuff, we wouldn't, everything would be reliant on us, but we don't live in that world. We live in a world where you go out in the world and you want to drive along the streets. There's traffic. There's other people sharing this thing. Those roads were built by the government, the organizations, the the construction crews, people put this together. They contributed to our life. So I think what we need to look at is like, you go, well, how do I want more contribution or, you know, and it comes back to our talk earlier, like gratitude. Mm -hmm. What am I grateful for the contributions that are already here? And, you know, when I, for me, and I'll just share this, when I looked at the world from filmmakers, I looked out in the world and I saw a lot of people talking about writing their script and talking about making a movie and never doing it. And if they did, they didn't know how. And I thought, what a shame. And I thought I could help people to be better at making their movies and writing their scripts. And people seem to really want that and they need that. So you know what? I'm going to offer that. And lo and behold, 
A lot of people wanted it. And, and yeah, I mean, the film industry is a big thing, but I looked at the film industry and I looked at a part of the film industry that needed help where I could help. So I think like, you know, um, if you love something, you might look at like you, for you, you know, your Meisner school, what you've shared with me is that people are getting stressed out, you know, in the audition room, they're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're feeling caught up in the commercialism of the industry, things like this. And so you were like, well, you know, what if they could just be more connected to the moment and, and do this? And you found a kind of truth in that. And obviously, you know, people, people want that. And you're, and you're, and they're, and as you get more clear on it, you realize that there's things people want and there's benefits. Like this is the thing about our value. We need to get, we need to get specific about it, but we also need to look at the gaps in the world. Like where, where is the world lacking and where can I fill that gap? And, and would I want to fill that gap? You know what I mean? Like, for example, if someone loved music, um, if you really, really loved music and you liked seeing music musicians succeed, why don't you start to investigate, you know, really investigate that? What does it take for a musician to succeed? What, you know, what is it, why does it work? You know, why is their branding work? Why, like, who are they connected with, you know, and start figuring that out so that everybody doesn't have to do it over and over again on their own, but you become a teacher or a mentor of them. And now they can go to you as the resource for that. You know, um, you compile the information. If you aren't the expert, you know, another thing is that one of my favorite books in the world is called think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill and Napoleon. Hill, yeah. And, and it's a book that's referred to by, by pretty much everybody in the industry of wealth and everything. But he went and interviewed a whole lot of multimillionaire, you know, very wealthy people. And he basically broke down as much as he could their wisdom and their experience. And he didn't, he wasn't necessarily the expert because he's like, I've lived this. He was the expert because he went out and gathered all the information. So the rest of us didn't have to. And he, I think from what I understand, it was 25 years to get that book done. So he spent his time, he did his research, he figured it out. And now it's one of those books that, you know, stands the test of time. Now I'm not saying you need to spend 25 years to put your thing together, but just to give you an example, like, I think what we need to do is look at like, well, if you're passionate about it, go interview people. You know, I think you and I are passionate about art and integrity. And now, you know, we're interviewing people. We're talking, we're talking about it. We're interviewing people, more and more bigger people be interested. Um, and we're breaking down the subject. Maybe, maybe other people have, I don't know, but, but this is a resource for it. So now people have a little bit, they have somewhere to go for it. Not yeah. everybody's trying to figure out their integrity on their own. There's a, maybe a community will be built out of this, right? I mean, we're not making money from this, at least at this point, but you know, um, and, and that's not the point. The point is that we're passionate about it. We like doing it and it helps both of us. Right. Yeah. We want to put something out there Yeah. that we're passionate about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think that, yeah, like what you're saying, it's like, you know, sometimes, yes, there, there's, there's, you're just like, well, okay, well, what do, what do people need? I, I feel like it's, it's still, a, it all comes down to one and the same. It's like, okay, you have, you have your passion, right? Somewhere that passion fits, you know, like it might not be the sort of the service that you, you maybe think of at first, right? But there's some application for that passion that will serve somebody that will serve some group somewhere. And Mm. I mean, and in today's day and age, like, holy crap, there are so many, there are so many 
niche groups. Mm -hmm. The thing is that a niche group today is millions of people, right? Like you can, you could have a, you can have a, you know, you could be passionate about ships and bottles. Yeah. Or something, you know, it's like, there's millions of people in the world who can now all connect, you know, just to click away. Yeah. And it's just like, holy crap, that's not really a niche community anymore. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a massive community of people who have, who have a place to go to now or somebody to go and ask or whatever it is, you know, like whatever you're passionate about ships and bottles, (laughs) you know, there's so many ways that you can, you can help people with that. Yeah. Do you sell them? Do you tell people how to do it? Do you, you know, like, do you provide, you know, certain pieces? Do you like, like, do you do videos? I don't know. Like there's so many different ways that you can help. I don't know the particulars about something like that, but (laughs) you know, there's, that's a huge community out there. Well, you know, everybody's also, everybody's goals are not the same with everything they do. I mean, uh, you know, um, some, we all value different things. I mean, you don't, you know, not every, everything that we do is based on, um, being massively wealthy and having all these things either. I mean, some people really want that and that's, that's fine. And some people just want, you know, what they want more is like freedom or they really want, you know, they they want other things. And I think in different periods of your life, you know, for one period of your life, you really, really want this one thing and then you maybe acquire it or whatever you grow beyond it and you realize, well, actually I want this thing over here. And so, um, you know, I think, uh, you're, you'll often find that if you find what you're passionate about, you, you can start to connect with that. Does that align with what I want? Um, you know, I was thinking today, I sat down this morning and went to a cafe. I had some eggs and some bacon and some hash browns and some toast. And I wrote a screenplay. I wrote, you know, I started working on my screen and I thought, this is the life. I mean, I, that my, my, meal, I guess, or whatever it was. I don't know. Maybe it was 10. I don't know. Somewhere around there. (laughs) I guess it was a little more because I got four eggs. (laughs) But anyway, my point is, is that I had this little basic breakfast in a little tiny little cafe where they know me and they sit me in the corner and they give me coffee for as long as I want. And I thought, I don't really need that much. I don't really even need a sports car or mansion or nice clothes or whatever. I'm really doing what I love and I'm making money doing what I love. And I thought, this is wonderful. And, you know, and I thought about it, I, I actually kind of, cause I always do a little journal entry before I start writing just to get my thoughts out a little. Yeah. And I thought for me, the thing I value most is freedom. It's freedom and kind of security. I want to be secure enough to know that all my bills are covered and that I can buy the basic needs that I want, but that I'm free to literally write and create whenever I want throughout the day. And there's no one telling me what to do. And, and I've essentially, you know, I've achieved that. <clears throat> I mean, I've achieved that for a while, but I really, I feel like it's really coming to fruition more now than ever. And I look at that and I go, you know, I'm sure wonderful things are um, going to be in my future with all the things that are going. I, I feel confident about that. Whether they are or not, doesn't matter. But I really like the way I'm living right now. And uh, it doesn't, it's, 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 in many ways, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, when I'm a screenwriter and a filmmaker, I'm going to be this big shot signing autographs and stuff. And I'm like, honestly, if that happens, that'll be great. But right now, sitting down in a cafe and writing a screenplay and getting to do that as my career, 
when I want, <laughs> that to me is, is success, right? Yeah. That's what I wanted. And you know, other people might want to be, you know, you might want to be going to parties. You might want to be the center of attention. You might want that. That's fine. I think what, what happens though is, you know, as you go through life, you start to find out, well, what do you really want? You might not be what you think you want, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, recently I, I had somebody and, and you might've even talked about a little bit about this, but it was, um, it was what the goals that we set, um, for ourselves and how we set goals for ourselves. And, um, and it was brought to my attention about like, you know, how we, we set goals based on, you know, some sort of an external outcome that, that we want. And, as opposed was, to experience? Uh, something like an experience. Okay. The way it was brought to me was like, set your goals based on the state that you want to be in. Mm. Like the, like the, the place that you want to be. It's like, so by that it was like, do you, like, do you want, like, for example, you said freedom. My goal is freedom. Right. And the beauty about that is, is that when you, make a goal based on the, on, on the state of sort of mind that you want, want in your life. Um, you are then able to actually determine whether you're achieving your goal before it's even happened. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like for me, it's like, like my, my goal in my life is, is peace, peace and inspiration. So with everything that I come up against in, in my life, I already, I, with that in mind, I already know the outcome. If my, if my desired outcome is peace, I, I can already do that. Right. I can already make that happen as opposed to creating some sort of an external thing that I'm trying to, to get to. And then you only know if you've done it after you can only look back and say like, okay, have I done this or not? Have I made, have I, have I, have I achieved this or not? When you're going by the state that you want to be in, you can actively actually do something about it at all moments of your life. You're achieving it in every moment of your life. You can achieve it in every single moment of your life by setting it by the state that you want to be in. See, you know, you bring up a really good point because I think that, you know, and I I definitely fell victim to this to some degree when I was younger is I used to buy into the idea that I needed to be motivated by my goal through a place of scarcity is that I don't have it now. And what motivates me is the fact that I know I don't have it now. And the fact they don't have it now makes me want it. And I think a lot of people base their goals on that place. But uh, I can, and I think that we're scared that if we feel like we have it, we won't be motivated anymore because we already have it. But I can tell you that when you do something you love, at least this is my experience and maybe people will say it's different, but I love screenwriting. I love creating. I love storytelling. It doesn't have to be screenwriting. It could be anything really, but I love storytelling. I, I just love it. I love creating. Um, for me, I'm very motivated to write the script regardless, because the thing is, is I love doing that. Um, but you know, I think it's a place of gratitude where I'm, for me, at least my experience of it is that I'm not without freedom. I'm not writing this screenplay to be free. I'm writing the screenplay because I love it. 
And the very fact that I feel free and I'm in that state of freedom actually assists and helps me write. It's actually, I actually find personally, when I'm in a place of scarcity, I actually find it a lot harder to write and create. Oh yeah. When I'm in a place of like, um, when I'm in a place in that state, like you're talking about, like I'm living it. It's kind of like, I'm just so grateful that, that my life has, has, that I've created this scenario in my life that people have helped me to create this scenario in my life where I get to do it this way. Um, you know, and I think that everything that, of what the goals will accomplish will be a bonus, but you know, it kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and you look back and you're like, man, life was so good when I was a kid. I don't have to worry about anything. That's kind of how I feel like right now. It's kind of like that. And I'm like, I'm like kind of living like a kid and I'm like, no, this is, this is, this is it. This is, this is as good as it gets. Like it might look different later and it might be just as good, but this right now is as good as it gets. It doesn't get better. I don't need to be somewhere else for it to be better. This is it right now. And yet, and the thing is, is that I think when you're in that place, that is like where true power and potency and everything comes from. Well, and, and, and actual freedom. Yeah. Actually come like, that's, that's what it, what it comes from, mm-hmm. you know, because now you're not, you're not depending your, your happiness, your, your sense of freedom on some external thing to come and give that to you. You've already said, I want freedom. Yeah. And everything I do is going to be about that, about creating that feeling. That's yes. the feeling that I want is to be free I all feel the time. Free. I yeah. feel free. And, and you don't need anyone to give that to you. You don't need anybody to give that to you. You can give that to yourself. And, and whatever that is for you, like for me, it's peace and inspiration. That's something I can actually, I can actually do. That's all within me to yeah. do. Nobody else can give me that. I know no. that I can give myself that. doesn't matter what house I'm living in, what car I'm driving, you know, what job I'm doing, right? That is something that is accessible to me at all times. Mm-hmm. And you it's, know, man, and that is, it's freeing. It's a, that's a liberating thing. I'm still wrapping my head around it because this is a concept that, <laughs> that was introduced to me less than a week ago. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, you were talking about that actually before our, our, our conversation started getting recorded, you were talking about the whole salvation thing, which I found mm. super interesting because yeah, like, I mean, that's the thing is I'm I, like you, you can share it in a moment, but I'm not looking for anything to, to be my salvation. I, I, I feel like, you know, they say like heaven and hell is something, not somewhere you go, but something you carry with you. Mm. And yeah. I really believe that, you know, cause like yeah. when you are in a state of joy in a state of, well, no, I'm going to talk for anybody else. I'm going to talk for myself. When I'm in a state of joy and freedom and creative, you know, when I'm in that place, it is like heaven. It is literally yeah. like being a kid. I, I relate it to the exact same moment. And I think of this as when I think of my pinnacle moment as a, as a kid, you know, playing cops and robbers with my friends around the block running in between our little houses and shooting each other with cap guns or pretending to, and just playing. And, yeah. and, and I think of that and I, and when I was at the cafe this morning, I'm like, this is really the same. This is, I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm just writing it down on a page right now, but in yeah. my head, it's all the same anyway. It's beautiful. And, and I, I think like, man, I'm not scared to lose it. I don't feel like I need to get it. 
I, I, it's like just, it's there. And you know what? Things might change. It might not always look this way, but what's really neat is I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, I'm in it, you know? And, and you, know, you could argue and say, well, okay, well, certain things are perfect. Let's say you didn't have money. Let's say you didn't have this, you didn't have whatever. But what I realized, I, I thought about that. I got, what I realized is that I could be working a job and I could be not be creating a screenplay. But what's really cool is if you really think about it, either way, I still, I still created this in me. You know, it didn't, my, the fact that I'm writing doesn't create this. It's the fact that I decided that sitting in a cafe in this moment writing the script is perfect. It's not that it is perfect. It's that I decided it was perfect, which created my state. Yeah. So I could decide that for any moment, but it's like this weird transition. Cause once you realize that, you know, but what's, what's neat is that I'm just going to find more ways to do what I want to do. You know what I mean? Um, and you know what, if, 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 uh, I wasn't able to write, I'd probably just find something else that I love to do. But what, what you end up, what I end up finding is that, yeah, it's the state, you know, but anyway, th- mention that salvation thing you were talking about. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's this, this idea, this, this shift in perception that, you know, like we, there's, there's a lot of sort of components to this and, and I don't know if this will all come across. Um, but we, we look for, so most of us, you know, we look for, we blame the world and, and we guilt the world for, you know, the things that it hasn't, hasn't given us. Um, and it's this weird, you know, to a to some degree, most of us do it. And and I catch myself still doing it all the time. You know, anytime you start getting into a poor me type of an attitude, you know, about the things that are happening and, and this and that, you know, that, you know, and we, and we blame the world. We, we say that that's guilty because it's not, it's not recognizing me and, and this and that. Uh, and then at the same time, we're also looking for our salvation sort of for our, you know, this thing to come and deliver us to rescue us out in the world at the same time. We're looking, we want both things from it. Right. So we, it's actually a contradiction. You know, we both want to want to blame the world as well as find our, our salvation in the world. Mm. Um, when when a paradox. Yeah. Yeah. So it like, it's, it's actually completely illogical. The thing is like, we're, we're very much unaware that this is like actually something that's going on in our, in our minds. Right. Um, and the truth is, is that they're, they're both, the, the true place where they both lie is, is, is in ourselves. You know, we, we blame ourselves, we guilt ourselves. Um, but we can also, we can also save ourselves at the same time. Right. Um, I don't know if like that's, well, you, you, you had, spots. was there something in particular that you No. I, sometimes I, I don't always know we talk and, <laughs> and I say a bunch of things. And, oh, I hear you. I hear you there. Um, no, but uh, I think, um, I think it makes sense to me, but you, you also gave me like some examples, like for example, um, uh, I think, you know, for example, and, and I've definitely been in this place where I, I think, oh, well, if this movie that I'm making is super successful, then I will be okay. But like in the same time, I'm like blaming that things aren't successful. I'm, I'm like going, well, this person did this thing or whatever. And so in a way I'm caught in this paradox of like, 
I need this thing to work out for me to feel like saved and feel good. But at the same time, I'm blaming the world for it not working out. And you know, you're flipping, I, I, from my experience, I guess I'm flipping between one or the other when I've been there, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm sure I'll probably in some ways probably fall back to it in some ways. But, um, right now what I'm finding is, yeah, it's like, well, that's the, that is freedom when you don't need the thing to save you and yeah. you don't have anything to blame because you're like, well, because the thing is that the, the world can give you, the world can give you neither of those things. Right. Truly, it can't give you, give you eat any of them, at least not for any, you know, extended period of time. Right. Right. Um, but when, when you can recognize through, you know, a, a certain understanding that your, your own happiness, your own ability to move through your life and, and, and to be happy in your life comes from you. Right. Right. Like that, that that's actually your, that's all actually your choice. Right. And that it's, yeah, it's not, it doesn't come from, from out there. You know, it's uh, I think it's one of those things is like, it's, it's an interesting thing because when we were talking about it, it's, it's one of those things, I guess I kind of threw us into this conversation. (laughs) It's a hard, it's a hard concept, I think to grasp because, you know, it's like, uh, it's very counter to what, to what we sort of have been raised to, to think. It's like, it's a little bit like the matrix, you know, you're caught in this world where you think the world works a certain way. And then, and then someone comes along and says, well, actually the world actually works this way. And the stuff that you're caught in doesn't really exist. It's just what you believe exists but it's hard because you've always known what you've known. So it's hard for you to like step outside and be like, Oh, the world actually exists this way. And I think, um, you know, uh, as humankind, you know, we're, we're all a little guilty of wanting to cling to what's comfortable. I want to cling to what we know. Um, and I think that's why it's so hard for people to wrap their idea around this or their mind around this is that, well, if I stop, blaming. And if I stop having these goals that are going to make my life better, you know, what's going to motivate me? Who will I be? Whatever, because you've defined your whole life on that. Um, and, and it really is like a kind of a, you got to let go of, you well, got to let go of an old model. Well, yeah. I mean, cause I, the, the big question is, is that like, have the thing, do the things that you know and have the things that you learned made you happy. Right. And if they haven't, then its entire value should be questioned. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like if it's not making you happy, then what's the point? Right. So then you got to rethink the whole thing. Well, and I think that's the thing is that, you know, if you think about all the times where you're happy and you think about all the times where you're unhappy, you know, um, and how much are you doing what you really want to do? And how much are you doing what you feel obligated or you have to do? And you look at your life, like, why aren't you? And I, I you know, I think that people just don't believe it's possible, but why aren't you always a hundred percent or 99% of the time doing what you want to do, doing what you love to do and not doing what you have to do. And I think that the, that we don't realize that the cost of believing that our salvation and our help and where happiness is outside of us is that it condemns us to a life of doing a lot of what we don't want to have a brief moment of what we do want. Mm. Whereas if you, if, 
if you were doing what you wanted to do and you were really truthfully happy in every moment with what you were doing, how would you be? What would you do? Right? But we just go, well, I can't do that. You know, what if you could, what, you know, and I think this kind of comes back to our original topic, like being ready, in my opinion, is a lot about being happy with where you're at, you know, and looking at, okay, well, if I want to do this other thing, who do I need to help me or assist me? Or what do I need to learn so that I, I can take that on? Yeah. And I mean, and that very voice that you're talking about though, that, that voice that's saying, it's like, Oh, well, I can't, I can't do that. You know, like what the, these things are like, why you can't be doing the thing that you really love to do. Why, why can't you be doing that all the time? Right. I mean, that, that voice is that, that negative voice that's telling you that, like, where's that even coming from? Mm-hmm. What, what the hell is that even? What is it even trying to do? How is that even helping your life at all? Other than to make you more fearful yeah. than to make you more anxious, more stressed out. You're going to listen to that voice. It's a crazy voice to yeah. listen to. Right. And it kills creation. And it, oh yeah. It just yeah, kills absolutely. creation. It, Cause and, now it's like, you're never going to add up. You're never, per, you're never good enough. You're never ready. You know, it's, I mean, you, when you were a little kid, I, I used this example and I don't know if I share this, I used this example with someone who's writing a screenplay in, in uh, timeless storytelling, which is one of the course I teach there. And, uh, they said, you know, I, I'm, I'm really struggling to write. I'm really struggling to write this scene. And I said to them, um, uh, just a, in a very brief version, I'll just give the example, but I said to them, you know, you're worried about whether you're going to do this thing right or not, the scene right or not. And they said, if you were watching a little kid play cops and robbers with their friends, right? And they're loading their cap gun. They're putting their little caps in their little gun, right? Are you going to be like, no, you're doing it wrong. Or are you going to watch them with like total fascination and be like, wow, like, you know, and then they figure out how to do it. And then they, they do it. And then they go and they play you know, that whatever they did was perfectly fine. It was totally okay. You're creating, and this person was writing their very first screenplay. And I go, you're writing your very first screenplay. You're not going to do it perfectly. Just yeah. try it. Just do it. Let's see what happens. You know, when we get to the editing stage, we'll figure all that out. You know, we can figure out how to refine it. You know, no one ever has to know that you didn't load the cap gun properly. And, yeah. the, and the guy was basically, um, the, the client I'm working with is basically like, I don't, I don't want to kind of give away who it is, but he was basically like, this is so good. He's like, this is, uh, like, I'm going to just think about that whenever I'm writing a scene, yeah. it's like loading my cap gun. I'm like, good. I mean, it's just like yeah. this insane, like, you know, this, this hard voice that we put on ourselves. Yeah. That's just, it's just like, this is, this is no good. That it has unreasonable expectations. You know, it's, it, it there's this other concept that was presented to me as well. It was like the, and we've talked about the ego on here, but one of the ego's mantras is seek, but never find. Hmm. Doesn't like the, the ego doesn't really want you to find, to find anything. It doesn't really want you to, to, to have your happiness, you know, to, to, because it can't give it to you. So if you find it, it makes it completely obsolete. 
It yes. makes, right? So that's so the ego is just like is the one that's just like you can't do that. No, you can't. What you're gonna quit your job? No, 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 no. What you're gonna pursue this? This is crazy. You like that's that that's crazy. How are you gonna how are you gonna how are you gonna survive doing that? <laughs> like yes, and and when you actually can shine a light on that voice, when you can become aware, like you know, think of like truly that you do. You have two voices going on in your heads. We're all a little crazy, but we have our authentic self. You know our our most alive, passionate, sort of joyful self that is pulling us towards our dreams, pulling us towards what we really are and what we, what our real function in the world is. And we have this ego voice of, which is this illusion of, Mm -hmm. of what we are and what we should want and, and all of this stuff. Right. And, and you can catch them, you know, you can catch that, that negative voice that is your ego. That's, that's, trying to like, you know, shout over top of like your, your dreams calling to you, right. Saying like, let's go this way. Right. And, and then this one will be like, Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. Like this, you know, catch that thing, try and be aware of, of this, this thing that isn't really making you happy Yeah, and is preventing you that is stopping you from, from doing that thing. Yeah. You know, that's such a good point. Such a good point. I mean, and even to leave it on is that, you know, your, uh, ego is not you. It's, it's a, it's a false idea and it needs you to be in need for it to retain its status in your life. I mean, your ego is going to basically, it survives by the fact that you don't have things. And it's like, we need this, we need that. You're not good enough. You're, you're this, you know, and, and the thing is, if you didn't have the, if you let go of your self image and you let go of who you needed to appear to be in the world to anybody else, and you just did what you wanted to do because you wanted to do it and you didn't give a shit what anyone else thought. Yeah. You would probably do a lot of different things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was, um, <laughs> I was having this con, uh, I was talking with Kat last night, actually, and I said, you know, I said, I feel like my ego is like, is like this squirrely little character. Like think of it. Think of how a squirrel acts. You know, it's like it's all jittery. It's just like it's like oh, scrambling around. Stops. Looks. Yeah. Scrambling around. Yeah. Like and it's just doing this thing. It's like running around like crazy. Yeah. And that's what your ego's doing inside of your head. It's just like this constant like fear, like fear and alert of like anything and everything. And meanwhile, like you know, as a human being, you're watching a squirrel and you're going like, look at this thing. Like it's <laughs> like, it's hilarious, right? Yeah. Your ego is actually pretty hilarious when you yeah. can actually look at it objectively. I mean, that's what, um, you know, like when, like, you, like the monks, like, like Tibetan monks, and when they talk about meditation, they, and they talk about detachment, that's really what they mean which I didn't understand for long, like detachment from your thoughts is really being like detachment from your ego Yeah. to be like, to observe what your ego is doing and the way that it's thinking and just to be like, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Look what that's, you know, to not, to not associate yourself with what the ego is trying to, to say to you. Yeah. I right. Mean- Cause the, vo- it, it's going off. Like there's not really much you can do about that. It's going off, but to not identify yourself with it is, is the key. Yeah. Well, totally. And I mean, I think that the, the ego runs on the fuel of fear, 
You know, the, the, as long as it has fear, it has something to run on. But, you know, when you start to realize, I mean, I think this happens to people when, if you get beaten down enough and you kind of come back and you're not, and you decide not to be dark and jaded from your situation, but you come back, you start to realize like, there's nothing to be scared of anymore. Um, you know, I've lost, I've lost every, every dollar I've had. I've, I've lost the love of my life. I've, I've, you know, I've had health challenges. I've dealt with all sorts of things. You know, I realized at a certain point, I'm like, and you know, there's still fears that sneak up every now and then, but there's things that I'm like, I'm just not even scared of. I'm like, this isn't even a big deal. Like, you know, and, and, and like, uh, you listen to some of the most successful people in the world, like, especially the real champions, they're like, so what, so what you lost everything. So what you're, you're on the street. So what you're homeless. What are you going to do then? You know, you're going to do something. And you start to realize you go, yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll figure out what we're, what I'm going to do next. I mean, you know, when you don't have the fear, all of a sudden you don't need to be anything anymore. You don't need to be any other identity. I mean, you know, uh, but I think what happens is when you, when, and, and I don't think people need to go around losing things to really, to be free, but, but we can be, the fear is like, well, if you don't have this person that you're a partner with, you know, you're, you know, what will your life be? If you lose all your money, what will your life be? If you don't have these friends, what will your life be? But here's the problem. It's let's say that you are, you know, you're in a, a town where there's everyone you're around. You just happen to be born in a town. It's a very negative place in the world. People talk about their limitations all the time and what you can't do and what you have to do and who you have to be and how you have to think. And you're in this, uh, you're caught in this realm of these people and you're starting to think differently and you go, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to do differently than what I know because, well, you know, what if I don't have these people around and, you know, my friend's getting married, so I better get married because if I don't get married, you know, it's kind of like, it's that time in my life. I've turned X, X years old. I need yeah. to go do this thing. You know, people all, be like, what's wrong with you? And yeah, ego is like this weird thing because it's like, you're an individual, but at the same time, you're a conforming individual. Yeah. Whereas the self is like, you know, I think when you're the self, you're like, you, you kind of check in more with like, what do I want to do? You know, like, I don't really care what everyone else is doing. What do I want to do? And weirdly enough, when you do what you want to do, ironically, everybody wants to do what you want to do, <laughs> you know, because they look at that and they go, how do I do what you do? Because we don't want conformity. We want authenticity. Yeah, we do. We want people being real and we want people who inspire us to be our real selves too. Yes. I, I you know, I think it's, you know, the, the ego is this, it's, it's, it's creating this confusion. I, I think the ego in, in some ways you know, it has its, it has its benefits. It's not, it's there yeah. to do certain things, but cause it's not an all negative thing. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't have it. And it, yeah. it, it gives us a certain sense of safety, a certain sense of security. But I think that, uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a baby blanket, you know, it's like, you got to let it go. If you want to kind of grow up and move beyond it, you know, yeah. you have to realize that you don't need this blanket to be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think it's weird because the ego is kind of like an adult baby blanket. We we get it and we're like it's ours. Ego, the adult baby blanket, and we're very we're very attached to it, right? Yeah, I like that. That's really funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that one. I think it's a good way to look at it because you know you make these things silly and then you're willing to like free yourself from them. Yeah, but I want to to just to something that you had said had sparked like yeah, it's like you know you hear these stories these people who hit rock bottom they lost everything and 
you know, it is this whole thing of everybody's perception on when that happens. You know, it's like for a lot of these people who it's like, they have these incredible sort of Cinderella stories or whatever. It's just like, I lost everything and this tragedy befell me. And in that moment, they realize that they're completely free, which is like from a lot of these stories, a commonality that I've seen. It's like, they realize they're completely free that these things happened and that they're still okay. Yeah. That they're still fine. Like nothing, they're not going to die. They're like the whole world has just suddenly opened up to them in a way that they never realized before. As opposed to like, you know, when I feel like when we feel like we have stuff to lose, you know, that that's what makes it more difficult Mm -hmm. because again, it's a perception thing. We see it's like, well, what, like, what if I lose everything and blah, 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 that, that means that'll mean, you know, and we make up all of these things that it means. And truly it doesn't, it doesn't actually mean any of those things at all. Right. That's what you've chosen to give it. That's the meaning that you've actually chosen to give it. Right. Because it actually doesn't mean anything because for these people, they said, it's like, to me, it meant like, I'm free to do anything. You know, I realized that there was nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. You know, you bring up an interesting point too, because I think, um, that it, it, there's, uh, there's probably just as many people, maybe more, I don't know, but who decide to take on the victim ego of losing. And so then they basically can get sympathy and they can get all sorts of things from people and they can basically justify giving up on their dreams because they say, well, I lost everything. Things didn't work out. So that's why my life isn't what I wanted it to be. And that, that is something you can decide to take on. But I think, um, you know, the way I look at it is I just look at it this way. The world in, as far as I know, and and I have faith and I, I believe in certain things. I'm not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person in certain ways. But I would say, in many ways, the, as far as I know, the world is chaos. I don't, I really don't know if things are just a bunch of random events. If, if, if every, if everybody just lives and then dies and is nothing, I don't really know if that, I don't know if, but I do know one thing is this kind of chaos because nothing is really connected to anything else. I mean, you know, if I, if I, uh, you know, I, you can try and break down the cause and effect of everything, but at the end of the day, we decide to tell the story of our life. We decide to decide how to feel and what things mean. We decide if we're having a bad day or a good day. You know, um, for example, someone could say, you know what? I stubbed my toe. Uh, when I woke out of bed, I was late for work cause I slept in. It was a cold shower. I was late for work cause there's traffic and they're like, I'm having a bad day. And meanwhile, they drove in their Porsche from their mansion to their executive job. Okay. And then you can have another person. I mean, whatever, take anybody. It doesn't even have to be that far. They have another person that says, I'm having an amazing day. There was more water in the well today than normal and nobody starved. And, and everybody in my family lived through today. And you know what? We actually got to eat um, a little bit more rice today because for whatever reason, there was a little bit more in the packaging. That yeah. was, you know, like, and they're like, I'm having a great day and they're barely surviving. And they had, so we make meaning out of things and it's like, it's all relative. It doesn't matter. So you could say every day, if you live in the first world, 
And it's not to compare your life, but to say every day you could decide today is an amazing day. Today is a great day. Today is, you know, and you could just live that story because it's all chaotic. You know, because if you take first world person, you throw them third world country, they have polluted water and they're barely eating enough to survive through the day. And they're going to be like, I'm having a terrible day comparatively. Yeah. Right. Stubbing your toe, being late for work and having a cold shower ain't such a big deal anymore, is it? Right. So, so the point is, is that we make it all up. So your ego is totally bullshit because you made that up too. Your ego, your ego defines yourself by your relative situation. Yourself says, you know, what, where am I in my life based on like when a kid's born, here's, here's a perfect example. When a kid is born, it doesn't matter what family they're born into. They will make the most of their situation. And actually they've done psychological experiments and they asked people, do you think your family is better than most? And most people say, yes, it doesn't matter where they came from. Yeah. Most people believe that their family was better than most families because relative to our situation, we just decide we, we naturally make that decision, you know? And if you were to compare it, you can go, well, this family had more food, more money, ate better, blah, 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 blah. Actually, technically they didn't beat their children. They were better. Yeah. You know, your parents were abusive, you know, uh, hit you. You didn't have much food on the table and you didn't have much money. So really, you know, and this person will make all sorts of justifications why their family was better. They'll say, well, I learned real life lessons. Well, I actually, you know, I learned independence. I learned to be tough. They'll make up yeah. why it was better, but it's all made up. So we're making it all up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all, yeah. So it all doesn't mean anything so, yeah. other than the meaning you choose to give it. Right. So my point is, is that given whatever situation you're in, you could decide to be a victim to it, or you could decide that it makes you better in your champion. And I just say, why not choose the champion road? Yeah. Why choose the victim road when you have both options? Yeah. And why would you choose the victim road? Yeah. Why? Well, that's a, that's an important question. Like I have my own ideas on that, but you know, for now I'll just say, why, why would, if you're, if you find that you're doing that, why are you choosing to do that? Yeah. Why? Yeah. 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 And, uh, I think, you know, you, you, uh, you might get your sympathy, you might get whatever, but there's choosing the champion road leads to, leads yeah. to the things you really want. It's, yeah. Is your, cho- is your, is your decision to blame the world and, and to be, to feel a victim of it? Is that making your life happier? Mm-hmm. Probably not. No, it's just some sort of a bizarre, sick comfort Yeah, that, that it's given you. And you know, it's not making you truly happy. And if you're doing it, I don't think you should make yourself wrong for it because I I think most everybody does it. Yeah, no, it's so easy. So easy. It's an easy thing to do. So yeah. Um, okay. So our, our, so let's wrap it up. Our talk was, was, are you ready? Maybe you're ready right now. Um, what, I don't know. Like what, like we've, we covered a lot, but um, what do you, what do you, what was your big takeaway? You know, it, yeah. I mean, in terms of like what our theme was today, like this whole thing of like, are you ready? You know, that is, that is a question that on some levels you will, you will never be able to ever affirmatively say that you are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you prepare yourself, you know, you like, like follow your passion and, and, and try and be, be great at it. But eventually, you know, trust what you got. <laughs> yeah. Trust, what, trust you got. what you got and, and, and step out on stage. Yeah. 
step out and, and know that, that you are going to, you're going to stumble, you know, that you're going to make some mistakes and that that's fantastic. That's really terrific. Cause now you're going to, cause your preparation will, you, you will, you will start to turn that knowledge that you got gained in your preparation and it's going to become wisdom. You're right. going to see how it works in action, how it actually applies. And, and also for our conversation today is, is yeah, like you need help. Don't try and do everything yourself. Don't try and do everything yourself. You don't, why, why would you want to anyhow? Yeah. Why would you want to? Like, it's, it's like focus on the things that you, that make you the most joyful and passionate and, and ask other people to, to, to fill in, to fill in the blanks, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) Right. To help take you the rest of the way because they'll, they'll do a far better job than you ever could. And, and you know, it's easy to get stuck in that trap of it's like, Oh, but if I get other people, you know, like, I don't know if I have the money, if I don't know if I can, you know, do this or that to, you know what, it's all going to pay off. It's all going to pay off. Like it comes down to again, like, what do you want to do? What do you want? What do you want to do with your time? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that should help to steer you and to make, make the, make the decisions that, that are going to, you know, send you in, in the, in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and remain, remain open, remain open to what, to what happens and, and don't try and control every, everything that's going on because you don't have that kind of power or control, you know, other than to remain open and responsive to the things that do happen. And I mean, this whole like sort of last little bit of the conversation, we went all, almost seemingly on a very, very different tangent, but, um, I think it relates. I it mean, does. It does. Yeah, certainly. I think it relates, uh, you know, being ready is, is, uh, a lot to do with, you know, get the, get the focus off yourself and, you know, and, and start to look at, you know, start to look at other people. I mean, you know, I don't know if anybody out there is really truly ready for anything. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we simply have had enough life experience, enough preparation, enough education where maybe it works a little bit better for other people. But I think when it comes to, um, major life commitments, things where you're going to commit for a really long period of time, you know, don't just jump into it willy nilly, but for the little things, you know, for the things that are just like little fears, go out and, and dabble and try and experience like, you know, for example, I would, I wouldn't say to a filmmaker, okay, you've never made a film before. You've never even shot a short film. You've never written a script. Go write a feature and make your first feature film. Just go do that. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I would say you can. Um, but like, you know, as, as someone guiding, I might say, okay, well, you know, um, maybe start a little bit smaller at first, but go and do it, you know, go try it out. You know, the thing is, is like, um, the dating game or whatever, you like somebody, go ask them out. You might get shut down. They might ignore you. They might slap you in the face. All the worst things you can imagine. They'll probably be all right. You know, go do it. Go experience what that's like. You know, it's, it's a, it's a brief moment in your life. It's fine. If you, if I was, if someone was saying, should I marry this person? Am I ready? I might say, well, there's a lot more to consider. That's a bigger commitment. That's a lifetime commitment. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's relative to that degree. And the other thing is I would, I would say, 
Um, I like what you pointed out. And I mean, we talked about this, but yeah, it's, it's simple, you know, take action in life, read some books, learn from some people, get some mentors, get some guidance. But at the end of the day, if you don't take action, none of it matters anyway. Yeah. So, you know, and don't be scared to fail because fail doesn't mean anything about you. It just means that it didn't work out this time. And you know what? You can try again. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's what I got. All right. All right. Whoa, that feels like a hefty one. I don't know what this one's clocked in at, but. (laughs) (laughs) That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.